0: Today's reading is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became
1: heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Amen. Thank you, Claire, and good morning and welcome again to Redeemer Lincoln Square. My name is Joe and I'm one of the pastors here. Now, we're working through a sermon series, taking a look at what it means to move through this uncertain and fearful season in faith with a deep sense of trusting God. Now, before we uh, get into all of this, let me just say up front that I do not like the feeling of flying blind through life. But you know, the kind of season that we're living in right now is kind of forcing all of us to be in this place of flying blind through life uh, together. There's so much uncertainty all around us, and there's so many things that have knocked us out of balance in terms of our regular rhythm of life, and it feels like we're being tossed back and forth. And the question is, how are we to know which direction that we're supposed to go? And the answer that we get from the Bible is through faith, right? Because faith is the ability to see through the uncertainty of life, right, to see the certainty of God's hand at work in, in this world. And friends, I have to say that there is no better time for all of us to be learning uh, what this means than now. Right? Because we're living through such a dense fog where we can literally see uh, all that, uh, the only thing that we can see is what's really right in front of us. And so, what are we going to allow to be our guide? Right? And that's the question. And you know, it's a severe mercy You know, But a mercy nonetheless that we're brought into this season to learn all of this together. And so what I'd like for us to do is to jump right into our passage this morning and ask two questions. First, what does a life of faith look like? And secondly, what does a life of faith produce? Uh, What a life of faith looks like and what it produces. So let's take a look at these two questions together. So first, what does a life of faith look like? Well, to give you the answer right up front, it is to listen to and obey the Word of God. Now, let me read for you for this point the first half of verse 7. It says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Now, here we find that Noah is warned by God in response. What does he do? It says, In holy fear, he built an ark. And now let me stop right here because I really want to focus on the words warned and holy fear as it appears in the passage. Because, you know, many times as the Greek New Testament is translated into English, we find that the translation is pretty straightforward. Uh, but in this case, there's a depth uh, to these Greek words that the English can't quite catch in its translation. But it's in the depth of these words we learn what it means to live a life of faith. So I want to go through them quickly together. So uh, the first word warned here can also be translated uh, as instructed. right? So there's a double meaning that we find in the word. So what we see is that Noah was given God's word that served both as a warning of the huge flood uh, that was about to come. But it also served as an instruction on what Noah was to do to escape The flood. And so here's uh, how Noah responds. Right? Out of this, uh, given this word of warning and instruction, he goes and builds the ark. But notice how he does it. He does it in holy fear. Now, that phrase can also be translated roughly as uh, while paying careful attention to while paying careful attention to. And so we get a sense of meticulousness, right, with which Noah responded uh, to God's word. So let me put those two concepts together and see what we find. And what we find is that what Noah was given was God's word that both warned him of the disaster that was coming, but also instructed him of how he was to escape it. Now when Noah received it, what we find is that he acted on it with a sense of holy fear, while paying very close attention to all that God's Word had to say to him. Now, here's what's instructive for us today. And what we see in the case of Noah was that he was living in a tumultuous world. It was a world that was filled to the brim with violence and destruction and evil. And once Noah receives God's Word in the midst of it, what dictates his actions from that moment on? It's God's word. He clings to that word, right, down to the very last syllable with reverent and holy fear. He keeps his eyes fixed on that word as he moves through life. Now, because this is an ancient account, it's easy for us to dismiss how extraordinary uh, this is. Because the region Noah lived in was a landlocked land, and it would have looked absurd for him to be building an ark in the middle of it. And if common human experience is our God, we can't help but think Noah must have faced the same kind of inner doubt, right? uh, ridicule and questioning from his friends and colleagues and meteorologists and the experts of that day. But with all of those voices... Uh, clamoring for real estate in his mind. He clings to the word of God. Now, friends, with all of us under lockdown and under quarantine, one of the things that I see happened in our culture is that so many of the complicated issues that face our world today have come to the forefront of our minds, but uniquely to our situation, we find that it has stayed there, stayed at the forefront of our minds. Why? Because for those of us that had previously had the privilege of being able to tune out from these issues with various distractions we had the privilege uh, of having access to, it's now gotten much harder to do that now. Right. And so faced with the issues of you know COVID-19, with lockdown and reopening, and how we are to respond to all of that, and as we are faced with the issues of systemic racism and policing in our nation, and with all of the political and cultural discourse surrounding all of these complicated issues, where are we going to turn to? What are the voices that will take up residence at the forefront of our collective minds? And how are we to make sense of all of this uncertainty around us when there are so many experts with so many perspectives and with so many agendas that they may have? We can either tune those voices out right and let the voices of our past experience and the cultural and political alliance and the ideology that we grew up with and we are familiar with and comfortable in dictate our actions and our response moving forward or we can be drowned under the sheer number of voices that are clamoring for our attention and be led to exhaustion or as it is the encouragement that we receive from our passage, we can turn first and foremost to God's Word and ask the questions, what does God's Word have to say about systemic nature of sin? What does God's Word have to say about how we are to treat our fellow image bearers? What does God's Word have to say about how we are to interact with and engage with human authority? Now, friends, don't get me wrong, right? I'm not saying we stay uninformed and we all become, you know, hermit Bible scholars. And I'm not naive enough to think that somehow we won't have discrepancies in our interpretation of the Bible and how it's to be applied in our current climate. I'm not saying any of those things, but here's what I am saying. If there's a sense of reverent, holy fear with a posture of, this humility of desperately clinging on to God's word and paying careful and close attention to it, that will guide the way in which we take the news, read the various articles and books, even in the way we debate. It will be the lens through which we view all of these issues and the way we learn about them. Because here's the problem that I see in our current climate. Whenever we have conversations around these Uh, crucial but sensitive topics, what I see is that almost everyone, and myself included all too often, we have our minds made up, don't we? And so what we do is we often talk past one another if we're talking uh, to those uh, that we disagree with. And those of us uh, that take pride in our sophistication and nuance and and being above it all will simply stay out of these conversations altogether, right? Because we can't bear the thought of being potentially wrong. So we wait and we wait and we wait until we feel like we get it right. But the problem is we never will completely. But might I suggest that this is happening in our culture and it's happening in and out of the church. We know that. And it's happening because we submitted to the authoritative voices of the ideology that we were brought up in, the news channel that we're accustomed to tuning into, to the political candidates that we might have hitched our wagons to, all of those things, yes, but ultimately and most dangerously, it's because we have submitted to the authoritative voice of the pride that is within us all, that is dictating our actions and our response. My friends, Redeemer Lincoln Square, let me implore you. Along with me, will you, instead of the voices that are clamoring for your attention, will you, for dear life, with holy and reverent fear, give yourself to the diligent reading and meditation of God's Word.
0: At Redeemer Lincoln Square, we value questions and the people who ask them, which is why we hold a time of question and response, or Q and R, after our Sunday worship service. It's an opportunity for anyone to text in questions and then process responses alongside our pastors and other members of our church community. If you have questions that you'd like to process, feel free to email us at lsq@redeemer.com or. Join us for our virtual worship service on YouTube every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. You can find our YouTube channel at lincolnsquare.redeemer.com slash YouTube.
1: And why holy fear? Well, because if the Bible is indeed God's word, it will shatter your expectations of it so much more often than it will affirm it because it will either uh, question your stance on the various issues that we're facing, or even if it doesn't, it will bring into question the state of your heart as you address them. And I found this to be true in my own life, because for me, as I've meditated on the Bible, as I've given myself to a diligent study of it in recent weeks, I found within me a sense of pride and arrogance of needing to prove the other person wrong, of needing to find my sense of self and being on the right side of history, if you will. And now I understand that in so many of these conversations that I'm having with people, especially with those that I disagree with, I'm not really seeking truth. I'm not really seeking justice or reconciliation. What I'm really seeking is validation. I'm really seeking affirmation and a sense of righteousness. And you know what really hurts is that I found myself using this moment to boost my sense of self, to boost my sense of ego and how I appear to others. (laughs) Now That's a terrible terrible revelation. But see, God's Word wasn't afraid of telling Noah to build an ark in the middle of a bone dry land. And it certainly isn't afraid of calling you and me out on where we stand on these issues or how we stand on them. But You know, if we let the Word of God challenge us, that's where we'll find solid ground. Because though it may feel at first like we're losing our grip of all that can be seen and all that is comfortable to us, it has the power to bring us into the unseen but real and tangible and foundational and timeless truth of God. And that's what a life of faith looks like in the midst of all the uncertainty and in the midst of all that feels like is fleeting from us in terms of our comfort. It is to cling to God's Word and to listen to it. And that is today's passage's call for us this morning. To cling to God's Word and to listen to it and to obey it. Right? That's what a life of faith looks like. But as we do so, here's what it produces. Secondly, let's look at what, it, what a life of faith produces. And it's a message of repentance and a legacy of faith. And for that, let me read for you the second half of verse 7. And it says, by his faith, right, by Noah's faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that is keeping with faith. Now, we see right here, there are two things that are happening, right? First, by his faith, we find that Noah condemned the world. That's the first thing. And we see that he became an heir of righteousness, So let's uh, address these two things. First, we find that Noah condemned the world. Now, the word condemned here is important for us to define because there may be lots of emotions and thoughts uh, that are brought up by the uh, way that that word is used, especially in the context of Christianity and religion. And the word here, uh, the word "condemn," is a legal term in which a judge announces a guilty verdict on a defendant. Now, what we need to pay attention to here is the fact that it is by Noah's faith in building the ark itself that served as a guilty verdict on the rest of the world and served also as a message of repentance and a call to repentance to the watching world. And so, here's, here's what we're being told. You and I, we, are, we preach far more effectively with our actions than with our words, we preach far more effectively with our actions than, in our, than with our words. Because if you look at Second Peter chapter 2, uh, the writer uh, Peter there calls Noah a preacher of repentance. He calls him a preacher of repentance. But here's the thing. We have no record of Noah saying a single word in defense of what he believed in, nor in judgment of the world around him. We don't see him saying much, but as he continued in this absurd task of building an ark. What he did was he visibly demonstrated the stark contrast between the violence of the visible world around him and the justice of the invisible world of God. And that's how he was preaching to the world around him. Not with his words, but with his actions, by his listening and obeying God's word. And You know, as I read this part, it really convicted me. And I think here's the call for our church at Redeemer Lincoln Square. When there are so many issues all around us, our first instinct, right, is to talk, right, to debate, to try and work out the issue with the limited knowledge that we may have. Or for others of us, as helpful as they may be, we first look to the experts to tell us uh, what the definitive truth is, what uh, direction we need to go, so that we can speak truth, right, to convince others of the merits of our ways, right, of, the, of our truth. And uh, one writer uh, puts this really well in regards to our current discussion specifically about systemic racism. Here's what he says. In times of rank uncertainty and biblical upheaval, when the ugliest parts of American life become most visible, it's only natural to want to look away to black films to watch right now, to anti-racism reading lists, to your closest black friend, to the nearest hill where just on the other side the right spokesperson is surely waiting to make perfect sense of all of this. That is our instinct. We look to the nearest hill. We're just on the other side. We're looking for the right spokesperson to make perfect sense of all of this. But what if, instead of looking to all of these things, instead of talking our way through all of this, what if we stopped talking altogether? To stop looking away from the issues at hand, But took the time to look directly into the face of it. And instead of opening our mouths, what if he opened up our ears to the God of heaven who speaks through his word? And what if we listened together? And what if we searched through the scriptures together and lived in quiet but resolute obedience to the word of God together as a community? And what if, instead of using our platforms to call out those who disagree with us, what if we brought our listening ears to the streets in humble prayer and seeking after this God of justice? That in, its, that in itself, our passage is telling us this morning, is the powerful call to repentance our world needs. And by our listening ears and with our resolute obedience, we will be preaching a message of repentance. Again, not with our words, but with your ears and our steady feet. Right? And that's the first thing that faith produces. A message of repentance. Right? Not through a megaphone, not by standing on a soapbox, but listening to this God and acting in resolute obedience. But here's the second thing it produces. You see that it produces a legacy of faith. As we see here that it is Noah's faith in God's word that was basically counted to him as righteousness or brought him into a right standing with God. But here we find specifically that Noah became an heir of righteousness. Now what is that talking about? Well, it's simply saying that, and this is what Hebrews 11 as a whole is all about, it's saying that through Noah's faith, he was brought into the fold of those who left behind a legacy of faith. Ones who peeled back the curtains of this world to give people a glimpse of this unseen world of God, all through the simple act of listening and obeying God's word. Now, seeing that here's the call for our church, what we're facing now and all that we're facing may be unprecedented for us, maybe in our, even in our lifetime. You know, but the truth is churches across generations have faced far greater challenges that literally brought into question their very existence and even their very lives. And so what we find as we look throughout church history is that we have a cloud of witnesses, as we are told in Hebrews 12, who went before us, that left behind a legacy of faith for us to follow. And here's the question. What will be the legacy we leave behind as a church, as Redeemer Lincoln Square? And as we look back on this time and on this season, years down the line, Will we say that we retreated into the comforts of our assumptions? That we clamored for the answers, right? Looking every which way out of a desire to be right. Or did we show the world a glimpse into the invisible world of God? Of His justice, of His righteousness, of His grace and His mercy and love in the midst of this visible world of violence and confusion and anxiety by the simple act of listening and obeying God's Word. And friends, this is the potential that I see for our church during this season. I see a real opportunity here for us to leave behind a legacy of faith, this legacy of faith, not because of any courage or piety that we can muster up for, for ourselves on our own. Right? It's because we have a champion who has gone before us. Right? The author of our faith, a witness that is greater than Noah. We have Jesus Christ who listened and acted in trust. Right? not to save himself and his own as Noah did, but to save those who were his enemies. Right? One who in his very flesh right, brought the visible, invisible kingdom of God into our visible world, but was cast into the depths of his despair so that we, you and I, may have all the certainty in the world that we may need this unshakable, absolute certainty that this God is indeed for us and not against us. You see, as we look into this uh, Jesus in His Word, we will be changed and we will be brought into the fold with those who went before us. And as we look to this Jesus in His Word, we will be leaving behind a legacy of faith Right, that may be weak and fragile, yes, but faith nevertheless in a God who is the king of all creation, who is bending history towards justice, righteousness, reconciliation, and restoration, all for His glory and for the good of His people. And as we look to this God and His word, may this truth anchor us as we live out and put action to our faith, in the uncomfortable places that God and His Word may take us to as we face the injustice, the violence, and the uncertainties of this world. May God's Word call us out in faith, move out into the world in faith and in love and in service of those around us. And so let us all go forth in faith. Let us pray together. Our God, we turn to your word now. May it be a light to our path and a lamp unto our feet. And God, as we look into your word and as we look to Jesus, may we cling to your words with dear life and with desperation. May we cling unto those words and may we obey your word. And as we do so, we ask that you would use our listening ears and our steady feet to bring a message of repentance to the world, that they would turn from their ways and turn towards you, the giver and author of life and salvation. And may we, as we do so, leave behind a legacy of faith for others to follow. God, this is a difficult season in the life of our church at Redeemer Lincoln Square. But as difficult as it may be, we ask that it would be a defining moment in the life of our church where if you were to look back at this moment years from now, we would see that we acted in faith, in a deep abiding sense of trust in who you are and what you have done. And so God, By your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit, may this be so. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for tuning in to our church podcast. We pray that it can serve as a resource for you as you continue processing aspects of Christianity and growing in your faith. We hope you'll subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. And we invite you to check out our website to learn more about our church and how to get connected to our family. Just visit LincolnSquare.Redeemer.com.